0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus Jesus started on his way and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We've left everything to follow you. and the last first, the gospel of the Lord. To you, Lord. All right. I got one thing for you this morning. It's super easy. It's not a test, it's just something I want you to remember. Okay? You with me? I'm so happy to see you. Good morning. Okay. So, all I want you to remember is that you don't need to do anything. From the moment you were born, God loved you more than you can possibly imagine. And because of that love, you are all gifted with a light that shines inside of you just like these candles right here. All right? So when you wake up every day just being. You shine that light and your parents and your siblings and your friends and everybody sees it. And that makes a difference. You don't have to do anything. You just have to walk into a room and the world is a better place because you're in it. Can you, can you remember that? Can you? Yes, sir. You have a question. Shocker. You can walk into a closet and suddenly the closet is no longer dark because you're in there. It's true. It happens. Trust me. I know this. (laughs) So, with that, I will just totally embarrass myself and I'm going to let you all go with Miss (laughs) Annalie. And we'll see you back here in a little bit. Whatever. Whatever. I love you, brother. And now, God, open my mouth so that I can speak, open our ears so that we can hear, and open our hearts so that we can change by your power and through your grace. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I've always considered myself to be a doer. So you can imagine that one of my least favorite things to hear is when someone tells me, there's nothing you can do. Every time someone says that to me, it's kind of like I hear them telling me not to breathe or that one plus one doesn't equal two. It doesn't seem to compute in some way, and I invariably hear my voice in my head saying, what do you mean there's nothing I can do? It's literally like they're speaking some language I don't understand, and it leaves me feeling uneasy and kind of agitated and frustrated. I remember the first time my niece, Jennifer, got her heart really broken by a boy. I wanted so much to fix it for her, to make it better, to take her hurt away. I remember trying to come up with all kinds of things to say and do to make it better for her. Basically, there was a whole lot of me talking and lots of diversionary tactics because, you know, the best way to deal with something is to layer it up in distractions. Ultimately, she put a stop to all of that and I can still hear her voice saying to me, Uncle Chris, there's nothing you can do about this. It stopped me in my tracks and was probably one of the most frustrating moments I can remember in my adult life. Of course, there was nothing I could do about that. It happened and I couldn't stop it. But up to that point, I'd always been able to do or say just the right thing to make any challenge she faced better or at least I thought I had. As I look back on that moment, and to be truthful, countless other moments like that one elsewhere in my life, I realized that so much of what was motivating me in these moments was my own view of myself. And a significant part of my frustration in these moments came from the fact that it made me confront that I was not in control a place I don't like to be. As I reflected on today's gospel passage, I found myself in the uncomfortable spot of identifying with the rich young man who goes to speak to Jesus. I say uncomfortable because I think so many of us who've heard this passage before have seen this man as selfish and interpreting his walking away in disbelief and grief as an unwillingness to give of himself or acknowledge the blessing of his life. Who wants to be like that guy? However, I found myself wondering if that's what's really going on here. It seems a little too easy to boil this situation down to greed and make this passage simply a message about being more giving. I won't say that that's not a part of the message here, but what really spoke to me This time was this man's question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Beyond that, when Jesus recalls the commandments as part of his answer, the response he gets from this man is another statement about himself. He basically says, I've already done all these things. Now, I'll admit that this guy really does seem kind of full of himself. Both his question and his response are wrapped up in his own actions. That got me thinking about self-reliance and more to the point how we can so often think that everything is up to us or that we are in control. And if we just find the right thing to do, we'll get the outcome we want. It doesn't seem that this man has left any room in his pondering to explore how God might be at work in his life and how that may have led to all of the good fortune in his life. As far as he seems concerned, he earned all of that through his own actions. I think that's why Jesus takes the time to underscore the goodness of God before answering anything. And that kind of brought me to sort of a chicken and the egg question. Do we try to live good and honorable lives, following God's commandments, looking out for the vulnerable among us because we're trying to earn God's favor and secure our place in heaven, or are we living that way out of gratitude for all of the blessing of our lives? Which way does it work? Furthermore, depending on our answer, what does that say about how we see God in our lives or our relationship with God? And so I wonder, in a culture that teaches us constantly to seek reward through the things we do, how do we understand the concept of grace? Grace, the unmerited favor of God that God gives to us unconditionally and freely? What is our understanding of the fact that there's nothing we can or need to do to earn that, but that it's simply given to us because of the unfathomable love God has for all of us? Do we understand that? And for those of us doers, can we come to terms with that? I think Mark gives us this passage to help with that. There's nothing in Jesus' exchange with this young man that indicates any sort of disdain for him on Jesus' part. In fact, quite the opposite. Just before Jesus tells him to sell all his possessions and follow him, we're told that Jesus loved him, which we should interpret as an indication of the incredible compassion Jesus has for this man's struggle with self-reliance. Jesus' suggestion that he sell all of his possessions is less a commentary on the man's wealth in and of itself, and more an identification that it is in some way holding him back. I really think that what Jesus is doing here is telling him to let go of what weighs him down, and he's saying that to us too. I think his walking away in grief is more about his realizing that he'd missed a big point and that he, up to that moment, had thought that he was the one in control. What Jesus is doing here is asking us to look at the distraction of things like wealth and power and privilege and the illusion they provide that we're in control and try to see how that can roadblock us and lead us down a path of self-reliance that basically takes God out of the equation. And that can happen whether we see ourselves as the person with wealth and power and privilege or the person seeking wealth and power and privilege. I think that's the whole point about the camel. Have you ever looked at a camel? They don't strike me as especially crafty creatures. They're kind of just hanging out, Be in their camel selves. I think Jesus uses the camel as an example because the camel knows that if there is any way he is going to get through the eye of a needle, it will be because God made it so and not because of anything the camel did. Same thing goes for the rich young man. And the same thing goes for us. If we clear out the noise and distraction in our lives, whether that's our desire for wealth or power or control, might an awareness of God's grace come to light and to allow uh, and allow us to build our lives based more on a foundation of gratitude for all that God has given us rather than on accumulation of blessings. Or rewards, Because here's the simple truth. Maybe not so simple. God is always there giving us something and inviting us into something, whether we seek it or not. Sometimes, though, we get so caught up in seeking what we want that we overlook what we've been given and take the credit for ourselves for what we do get. Moreover, we so often want to script what God invites us into because we think we can control that. And we miss God standing right in front of us with arms wide open. Jesus invited this man to come and follow him, not because Jesus needed more followers, but because he loved him just as He loves us. and Through this passage, he clarifies that what God wants, what God really wants, what God really invites us into, is relationship. He also asks us to let go of our need to be in control and clear out what holds us back and leave some space for grace. That is how we bring light into the world and let the love of God flow freely to us and through us. God is there inviting us through Jesus to lean into that grace and give of ourselves, not because of something we want, but in gratitude for what we've already been given. So if we really need to do something, how about we try doing that?